do our weekly discussion over who's doing the intro? Well, I mean, you did it last. I did. So in fairness, I'll, I could do it. <laughs> Unless you just want to do it. You could do it. I, I could do it. <laughs> I feel like I've done it the last several times, think, to be honest with you. I think you have. I think you have. Well, in that case. It's all on you, buddy. It's all on me. Pressure's on, man. I don't know if I can do this. I'm getting the shakes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's up, guys? Welcome to Sip It and Rip It, the podcast where we just don't care. We no. drink. We drink alcohol and talk about fitness and mostly powerlifting. Uh, I'm Nathan. I'm Zach. We are the hosts of this podcast. We usually have a guest. Well, not usually, but a lot of times we do. But been about half and half lately. Here lately, not so much. But uh, it's just us tonight. But uh, welcome to our new short format. This is going to yeah. be a 45 minute to hour long show. So we're going to try anyway. We're going we're to have to keep an eye on that timer that we got going. We're going to do okay and eyeball it. But uh, so today we uh, we're not drinking liquor like we normally do. No, uh, we uh, mentioned it last week. Uh, most of them were trim cl- trim tabs. Uh, we did have a shitty pregame beer from Duclaw <laughs> that was uh, it was Duclaw Brewing Company, and it was a watermelon cherry watermelon cherries. sour, and it fucking sucked. It tasted like sour. Water. So we're back to uh, we're back to a good old Birmingham beer and trim tab. This one's called Natural Habitat. It's a fruited sour ale with strawberry and key lime, and I like it. I think it's a good, refreshing beer. Um, uh, I'm trying intentionally to not buy things overly beery because Nathan's not really familiar with craft beer yet. Not a big fan of it. Um, but uh, but this is this is good to me. Uh, he doesn't like it, but uh, I don't dislike it. It just kind of tastes. I, I kind of taste like. A very like someone mixed a beer and lime juice together. That's what. It yeah, it's, like. it is very. To be fair, it's very Corona like. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Mexican lager with lime in it. To be yeah. fair, so I mean that's. I don't think you're really far off. No, to be honest, that's flavor wise. I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty <laughs> accurate. To be honest, yeah, I really don't taste any strawberry in this one, but it is a good beer. Um, and then um, we also have a couple more uh, trim tab. We have a lemon lime sour. We're going to try later tonight, and then. The peach bellini that we did last week, which we know we both know and agreed yeah. it was pretty good. So I've had a lot um, of peach drinks lately that I've really liked. Like we just got a peach sunkissed from Walmart today, and it's actually pretty yeah, good. The, the peach Fanta Zero. If you ever get the the uh, the cool Coca Cola cabinet at restaurants where you yeah. get all the weird flavors, like yeah, peach Fanta is the shit, dude. I did a, a it was a peach Sprite Zero when I'm I was with at it. As, yeah. as one of those Coke freestyle places. Excuse me. And it was really good. So, uh, drinks out of the way. Um, um, what we did in the gym, yeah. What What'd you got? Uh, well, yesterday was squats. Um, pretty standard squat day. Um, had some, so kind of in relatively high volume work for what I would program. I had sets of four yesterday, uh, and I'm officially four weeks out from yesterday, too. That so. is a lot for four um, weeks out, but. Yeah, but I mean, I am getting stronger. I'm getting better. Uh, had a kid rob me of a PR last night. Um, <laughs> if you're listening grab, to this, we're coming for you. <laughs> no, you, you, you did fine. You did great. And you did, you're not a power lifter. You didn't know my expectations. So it just is what it is. But uh, yeah, he, he bumped the bar about literally like three quarters of the way up. And it kind of caused it, caused me to lean left, like away mm-hmm. from him. And it kind of did uh, punish my back a little bit. I feel mostly pretty good. Um, but uh yeah, that's kind of kind of what happened with that. It but was I mean, an attack I was, on your life is what it was. 
that's what it, that's what it feels like <laughs> in the middle. If people haven't experienced a bad spot, especially if you're having to do side spotters, mm-hmm. um, it's actually it doesn't help at all. It's actually pretty fucking terrifying, yeah. especially when when one one person grabs and the other person doesn't. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't take any weight off of you. It just shifts all the weight to the opposite side, which is super dangerous. Yeah, that's how you herniate discs. That's how you you know pull muscles, mm-hmm. bell it all together. I mean. It's a lot easier just to let it fall off your back than it is to. Yeah, at that point, there's no no reason to even have a spot. Yeah. Just let it bell off your back. Um, I finished the rep, but uh, begrudgingly, and uh, (laughs) I was pretty irritated about the fact that that it was taken. But like I said, they didn't know any better, uh, and they were there helping. Um, They were super about it. They were really happy to help, so... Um, for that gym, I guess it's a, it was a decent decent size squat. So you know they were they, they thought were I was doing something cool, even though <laughs> just a low intermediate power lifter just doing what I can. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that just is what it is. But uh, and then just uh, some kind of maintenance deadlifts and some squat accessory work. Cool. So uh, for me, let's see. Friday was the most recent day. It was my close grip bench. I. Don't think I did anything different than last week other than I didn't work up to 295. I think I think I did like 225 for 10 and then 245 for 10 and then 275 for a single and then I backed off to 255 and did like 5. So I kind of just like pyramided up, not quite pyramided up, but you know, just kind of worked up. I worked fun. up to a to a single and then dropped back. I've been doing a lot a lot of work like working up to but uh this is the first time i've actually dropped back and did like some reps i haven't really been i haven't really been following my plan the past couple weeks i've kind of been just doing what i feel like doing which i'm kind of okay with right now i feel good i feel strong and i feel like i'm getting somewhere around a power building basically yeah, I, mean, I don't really need to do the singles i'm more doing them for myself yeah i mean you're honest. also in a, in a phase where you said the priority for the gym right now is for it to become fun again yeah and that's really and what it is like pretty much as long as long you know you've been in off season too pretty much as long as you're leaving with a pump you're making some type of progress in off yeah. season you know and, and it, mentally, it may not be you know it may not be progress by design necessarily so that may make progress a little slower than it would mm-hmm. be if you were following your program but um maintaining some type of enjoyment in what we do uh is pretty fucking important for longevity so yeah. i mean i think you got to go through seasons where you're just having fun and shit i did it most of the last year man like i got to where every time i bench press i did 12 10 8 6 4 2 mm-hmm. pyramided up and did an amrap on my last set and uh Called it a day. Hell, I was doing it on my squats. So it's just yeah. fucking fun. Yeah. It's also kind of low pressure. Yeah, right. Because you don't really – like when I was doing my my bench presses, I was just kind of like, well, if I don't get it, it's not a big deal, right? Yeah. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do I, – I, my mind has been like I want to work up to an RP 8 or 9. Yeah. That's my goal. Like every, yeah. time, every time, every set, I want to be at an RP 8 or 9. That's, yeah, I mean, that's fine. That works. That's pretty much – as long as I'm there, I'm good. Yeah, you're in – Close to failure zone. You're yeah. at least, you know, definitely enough to, hypertrophic qualities. There. Yeah, eno- enough to push, enough to feel pump, enough to, like you said, get some hypertrophy, but not not so much that I'm stressed out about it and not so much that I feel like if I do something wrong, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it should be fun. And uh, a lot of modern bodybuilding programs, man, which is basically what our, as a powerlifter, what our off season should look like. You know, you're working to... 
three reps in reserve for the first few weeks, two reps in reserve, and then maybe the last week before you deload is one rep in reserve. So you're basically always staying in a, a seven to nine RPE, mm-hmm. basically. So I mean that's uh, I mean that makes good sense. I'm, I'm with it. I mean I, I like training that way. Me and you were both really inspired by RP, um, mm-hmm. and they're big fans of. You know, training certain amount of reps to failure from mm-hmm. failure, I should say. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, every RP program I've ever done, of course, I've always paid for their tip- templates, has always been, you know, the first couple of weeks, like I said, you're working to a rep in reserve of about three, mm-hmm. uh, then about two, then about one. Um, bodybuilding programs, you never go to zero. So, never a true like yeah. RP 10. But then you might deload, you might spend two weeks doing every one again. Yeah. You know, makes sense. It's fun. So, but that's that's pretty much it for me. Just some chest work, some triceps. Nothing nothing interesting happened this week that I remember. So I think I, I think I hit an SSB triple for three eighty. I think. Oh yeah, that's solid. It was something like that. It was three plates on twenty fives, three eighty on a SSB board. Yeah, I think I think, I think that's that what you it. posted, right? Yeah, yeah, posted, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's what it was. So that was. Uh, that was the only other thing that I did that was mildly interesting. Yeah, SSB is tough. It is tough. It was uh, not a very interesting week for me other than yesterday because it was my um, down week. Uh, undul- Ron is undulating my deadlift, so I didn't have a big deadlift this week. Um, it wasn't a deload week on bench, but nothing was no top number was something I've never done before. Right. It was all, you know, pretty, pretty well between three plates and 350 pounds. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, I had a 40, 45 pound weight range and that right. really exceeded what I've done prior. So yeah, it is what it is. What about PR songs? I have a couple of PR songs to uh, contribute today. Um, so this one, uh, it's a band that I don't even know if they're around anymore. I think they've had like two or three albums gone. I know they've gone through at least two singers. Um, but uh, it's as good as dead from through the eyes of the dead. Uh, I haven't heard them in a long time. Yeah, it's old, like 2007 deathcore. But that song, I don't know. There's something about it that just uh, as good as dead. As good as dead. It's uh, it's pretty dope. I I, I like a lot of the the old school deathcore stuff though. So that was what I listened to growing up, uh, and I listened to that. I remember when I first heard that. It was it, I think it was on Headbangers Ball on MTV. <laughs> so that tells <laughs> you yeah. the age of it. Um, but I saw a music video for it. It was like. Um, it wasn't this song particularly, but it was like a bunch of zombies coming out and chasing people down. They were like hacking them up with hatchets and axes and stuff. And it was like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so, What's your other one? Uh, the other one is a song that, um, man, I listened to it a lot in the beginning days of lifting. Um, something that kind of got me inspired. It's another uh, soundtrack orchestral song. Um, it's called Akuma Rises by Patrick Gill. It was on the Street Fighter Assassin's Fist uh, soundtrack, which was the mo- one of the movies that they made that was actually good. Um, and it's uh, it's a song that plays basically when the main villain like does his like transformation, right? So he's this skinny dude. Uh, there, it's all martial arts, right? So yeah. typically, martial artists are pretty pretty skinny dudes, yeah. but with Street Fighter, they're all like jacked as fuck. Yeah. So um, he goes into the cave, right? He goes in. He's like in pitch black for I don't know how long it's supposed to be, and he comes out and he's just this jacked like black dude, 
He comes in as an Asian and he comes out as a Jack Black. It's like that that uh, that ad that would always pop up on the internet. It's like doctors hate him. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. But it's really cool. The music's really good, so I can't really hate too much. And all of the uh, the workout stuff that they did was really cool because he was like. He had like a bamboo stick and on each side he had uh, buckets of water and he was squatting it basically. And he would like walk it up a hill and stuff, just like real primitive stuff. You That's know, cool. yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was a really cool, uh, really cool scene. I liked I liked the whole movie, to be honest. But uh, but yeah, Akuma Rises by Patrick Gill. Oh, yeah. You got any more? I'm just going to add two for today. Just two for the day, okay. Uh, my first one's a new one for both of us. I sent this to you the other day. It's called How Can I Love With These Hands by Ceramint. Mm-hmm. Uh, that band fucking rips. Um, I really, really like it. Um, nothing to say other than it's just some heavy metalcore. It was good. I liked it. Yeah, it was. It was. I, heard, I was listening to it in the gym. Actually, it was. It was. Uh, it was kind of. It was kind of fresh to me in a way. I guess you know what I mean. Like it mm-hmm. was. Uh, it felt new. Yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. And then I'm going uh, a classic metal song for my second one, and it's uh, Revolution Is My Name by Pantera. Yep. Um, listening to it on my way to the gym last night, and it was fucking ripped. Gotcha. Got, got you got ready. Going. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, nothing to say other than, uh, I mean, everybody talks about how good like Rex and Dom and uh, Vinny were. Um, I know people, especially from a political standpoint, they don't necessarily like Phil. Uh, but Phil and one other guy and Lane Staley are two guys that uh, – Phil's not as good of a singer as Lane Staley from Alice in Chains was. Mm-hmm. But they're two guys that can put pretty cool melodies over some real weird guitar work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really appreciate – very seldom do I say I appreciate a vocalist. Right. As I, I'm a musician's musician, right? Like I can <laughs> give a fuck less about your vocalist. Um, but uh, – <clears throat> Phil kind of fucking rips in that song, to be honest with you. I like <laughs> Phil, like, like you said, not, not his personality is kind of abrasive, right? Like, it is very much abrasive. Yeah. So, absolutely. like, I don't know that I would ever really want to sit down and have a conversation with him <laughs> personally, but I like, I like Pantera. I like the music and I like his vocals. So, I mean, he, he, he kind of like, he was the first version of the, uh, the real like hardcore sounding grungy like vocalist, you know? Yeah, like absolutely. The, it's palatable for a lot of people in the yeah. beginning, I think. And that's kind of, it's kind of like a gateway band, right? Yeah. Pantera is very much. Cause I mean, I still know people that really don't listen to metal that are primarily country music fans that like will cite Pantera and Metallica as, you know, yeah. being bands that they like. And it's a shame that their musical taste didn't get better. Right. When I started to listen to those bands, they somehow got much, much worse. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, it is, uh, it's one of those, definitely one of those bands that Pantera is one of those bands that transcends the genre, if that yeah. makes sense. There's been a handful of metal bands doing that, not too many. Metallica and Pantera is yeah. really the big two, the two that come to mind. But I mean, they, they, those two guys, uh, those two bands did things that, in terms of, uh, uniting the world through music <laughs> they did things that you know most metal bands don't do so yeah for sure that's, that's just the truth so that that song fucking rips um yeah those those are my two for not so cool good shit yeah so meat and potatoes of this episode um starting with the short formats and this may be one that we repeat because as we gain knowledge or as our programming changes and stuff like that, we may find new things to add to this. So, or as our preferences change. Or our preferences too. change. Because as a power lifter, a strength athlete in general, just as a 
gym goer in general, your needs also change, mm -hmm. not just preferences, but, um, but you know, this is pretty much about our favorite accessory work, or at least the accessory work that's taken us the furthest up until, you know, this point. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I said, there's, there could be, we could do a million extra, a million episodes on exercises that we like for accessory work. But today, basically we're going to take you through squat bench deadlift and what me and Nathan currently are doing and what we prefer. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe talk a little bit about how those could help you too. Mm -hmm. So, um, basically to kick this off, what's your favorite squat accessory? Well, my favorite squat accessory as of now is, since I've had the opportunity to use it, is the hack squat. And my reasoning is primarily because you get the most mimic out of the squat with the least amount of like pressure on your back and the least amount of CNS fatigue, right? Yeah, it's the, it's the most sports specific you can be without actually taxing your CNS tremendously. And I, I specifically like I didn't I've used to program where I would do my main squat for the day and then I'd go and do leg press. When we got to the new gym, I was like, they got a hack squat, so I want to try it. So I can go directly from my SSB squats into five sets of 20 on the hack squat and my CNS is fine. Yeah. So I think that speaks volumes and I get a huge quad pump out of it. Like my whole my quad, my glutes, everything just feels great when I do the hack squat. Um, and I've been, I've been doing that for the past month, maybe month and a half. Whenever we started over there really is when I started using the hack squat. Um, um we're, we're fortunate too. This should be noted. Um, the CNS fatigue is definitely much lighter than a barbell squat. And I can imagine it would be on any, uh, hack squat, but we do have the added benefit of, we have the one that does not wrap around your shoulders, but mm -hmm. just has a pad that sits in your lower back. Yeah. Um, so there's no spinal loading at all. Yeah. I guess I, sh I should have mentioned um, that. So, you know, it probably depends on your hack squat, but in general, it's, gonna, it's still going to be less CNS. Yeah. Because it's guided regardless of what type of machine you're on. It's mm -hmm. going to be a little less CNS fatigue regardless. But mm -hmm. the one we have specifically is, I feel like it's really good for power lifters because it's basically a belt squat. Mm -hmm. It's it's basically hips hips and legs are loaded and, and nothing else. Like yeah. your back's not loaded at all. Yeah. On it. So definitely a pretty big benefit for us. Mm -hmm. Um are you seeing pretty good growth stuff in your legs? I know oh, we talked yeah. about that the other day. Yeah. yeah, my legs have gotten pretty big um, since I started doing them. I need to like get a good pump and take a picture. I don't know. The last picture I took was when I was around the 200 mark and I was start just starting to see the striations. I've noticed that while the striations aren't quite as profound, they're still kind of there which actually goes back to the original reason why I did this cut was like, I wanted to get to a lower body fat and see if the, that body fat distributed better. And I believe it has. So uh, yeah, I think so, you can tell by looking at you to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. And right yeah. now I'm sitting in between 225, 230. Yeah, um, so you're five pounds off where you competed at basically yeah. five to seven, I guess off yeah. where you competed. So, and I feel like I look about the same as when I did when I was that weight. So yeah, that's good. So it's, it's definitely paid off then. I yeah. think so. I think yeah. so. I definitely feel like I just just from the sheer amount of reps that I can do, even though it's not a lot of weight, the amount of reps I can do on the hack squat, just, you know, obviously it is guided, but it, it just reinforces that movement, right? Sure. Because it's, you get to do like, and you could do that, you know, you could say, well, I'm going to do five sets of 20 on a barbell with 135 on there or whatever weight that you choose, but 
I feel like it's still just going to wear you out faster than doing it on the hack squat. And I feel like you get the same benefit from doing it on the hack squat as you would as on the barbell without seeing that fatigue. Yeah. I mean, that makes, that makes sense. I mean, like I said, I 100% agree. And there's, that's, that's a really, really good benefit because in off season, you should be doing as much as you can about growing without risking injury. Mm-hmm. And that's keeping CNS, you know, healthy is, yeah. uh, is a big part of that. So, uh, yeah, it makes sense to me, man. I love that hack squat machine. I haven't got to use it because I've been pretty much on season the yeah. whole time. We've been uh, we've been uh, at Hartsel Fitness. That being said, I, I think I had to use it one night because the leg presses were taken. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just jumped on it so I wouldn't have to wait on a machine, yeah. you know, one time. But um, for the most part, you know, I haven't – other than the first time, I haven't really been on it much. Yeah. Uh, it is in Sandy's programming now. I have her um, – She's pretty much programmed to do everything at the shop right now. Um, but on Saturdays, I specifically gave her a, kind of a catch-all day, mm-hmm. a little bit of a full-body day, so that we can take advantages of all the machines that Hartzell has to all offer. Um, and she seems to like it quite a yeah. bit. It definitely uh, – she seems to have a preference over it, over like a V-squat or something like that. Oh, yeah. V-squats um, are terrible. Yeah, I never can get my feet um, – In a position where it feels comfortable. Or, or natural. It yeah. doesn't feel like – because it doesn't feel like it, a, a, a real squat, it doesn't feel like it has carryover to right. me, if that makes sense. So yeah. hack squat definitely is a preference. Definitely. Yeah. When I used the V-squat on Juggernaut programming, <clears throat> it was like a front V-squat. And he, like when, whether I did it back-facing or front-facing, it always felt weird on my knees. Like yeah. where my knees would go, like the positioning when I would come down with it, everything just felt really weird. And I, I could never get to a point where I felt like it was beneficial, honestly. Now, Ron did have me do uh, V-Squat Good Mornings at the beginning of my program in a little bit. Uh, and that did feel more natural, but also the platform is opposite because you're like, yeah. it's forward, it's, you know, forward facing, basically mm-hmm. heading the pad. So, um, you know, it, it felt fine. Yeah. Um, but probably still wouldn't be my preference even for that to be yeah. honest with you if i were programming it and uh, i'd do exactly what he says so right uh, it is what it is but um for me uh and this is kind of a kind of more of a demographic but you can kind of see where all this is kind of this similar um but is unilateral quad movements but specifically split squats box step ups and lunges mm-hmm. and the reason i say that is i've had really really good like hypertrophic gains from them but also just because they do a really good job of um, isolating your quads and your ass, um, they're really, really good for hip health, which was something I know that we that I, y'all obviously know that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. So um, when it comes to rehabbing this hip, coming back stronger, being able to squat more weight and stuff like that, um, unilateral quad work, specifically stuff that requires some type of forward step, mm-hmm. um, has really help me in my opinion yeah. uh, and it is uh, lunges have been a staple in my clients programming for a long time uh, I don't always program split squats for them um, that may be coming to be honest with you uh, but uh, you know I've always believed in it for clients and stuff it's always been something I've avoided because my hips hurt when yeah. I do them uh, well lo and behold when I start doing them doing them regularly my hips stop hurting so <laughs> um, you know it's one of those things that the thing you don't want to do is probably what you need the most yeah. um, and I think that, that has a direct benefit and direct carryover over everything that I've done in powerlifting, yeah. but specifically squat and probably a little bit deadlift too. Yeah, that's fair. Cause I mean, you're, you, you have to push from your foot, right? The, yeah. your, the one foot that you have forward. So, I mean, it makes sense. You're pushing off the ground. Anytime you're pushing off the ground, there's got to be some sort of carryover. It's the same thing as doing like a box jump, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like that, that, 
any any time pattern still reinforced. Yeah, yep. yeah, all of it. You know, you you're pushing off the ground. You know, anytime you create force from the ground, you're going to be reinforcing that. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll say the, the the booty gains is the best part about lunges because that's something I've always yeah. not just cosmetically lacked, but it's always been a weakness in my squat and my deadlift. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a big thing positionally. So if you think about the way your glutes after actually work, if you stand with like an athletic position, basically, like you stand with your knees and hips bent, if you actively squeeze your glutes from that position, it pushes your hips forward, right? And what is that? That is your lockout on your squat and on your deadlift, right? Yeah. So like in terms of top end power, say, you know, halfway through your squat and up, your butt does a lot of the work. And it's not the prime mover, it's still the quad, but mm -hmm. your, your butt does a lot of the work. In terms of getting your hips under you, well, when your hips come forward, your chest raises. So like it also has a direct carryover on the posture of your squat and deadlift. So uh, I feel like that's had tremendous benefits to me, to be honest. Yeah, so that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, that's my, that's mine for squat. Uh, what about you're you're good on the hack squat? Do yeah, you need to not, add any of this? No, nah, not really. I mean, pretty cut and dry. Yeah, I, lunges and hack squat. Do them. I, I mean, I will say that I program lunges pretty often. Either yeah. either a lunge or a uh, split squat in my program. Yeah. Uh, because unilateral movement is super important. Maybe not so much, in my opinion, on the upper body, but on the lower body, I do think it's it's a lot more important. I see a lot of people do the the dumbbell pressing where they hold one up and they press with the other. And I and it may just be because I listened to Dr. Mike a lot and he explained how it was dumb. I can't yeah. explain to you how it's dumb, but I guess I'm just kind of partial whenever I listen to him. I'm like, yeah, he's probably right. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm like that too. And this is a good segue to our bench accessory work, but I have programmed single arm bench press before. Like that's, single arm I think dumbbell. that's different though. But the reason being though, is that brings a degree of core stability to the mm -hmm. lift that's really important. But now your opposite hand in that situation should be 100% unloaded. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise you wouldn't get that same And stability. if you're looking for a chest pump, it's probably still not ideal. No. But in terms of building shoulder stability and core stability in your bench press, pretty fucking unrivaled, yeah. pretty, pretty solid. No, uh, that, I, I think you could, I, I think it's fair to do it like one arm loaded and one arm not. I'm specifically speaking talk, of, talk the, yeah, holding one and pressing with the other and then changing arms, holding one, pressing with the I, other. I don't see where there'd be much benefit. I mean, there's some isometric work happening on your front delt and your, and your pec, but not like, and even on your tricep, but it's not really, Essentially, you're just yeah. you're just wearing yourself out faster without for nothing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's it's kind of uh, wasted volume. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not really it's not super good workable volume to be yeah. honest with you. So if you um, want if you want to do something better, just slow down your movement. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Slow down the movement. The fact that you're already pressing on dumbbells, there's an X amount of stability involved in that mm -hmm. already. Um, and if, every, you sl if you slow down a movement that requires more stability. Yeah, I mean you're gonna you're, you're gonna, gonna demand more stability yeah. from your body, so because slowing <laughs> it down is gonna make it even more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a, lot, it's a lot easier to just let it fall down to your chest than it is to bring it down to your chest. Yeah, absolutely. That also reinforces good uh, bench movement. technique. Yeah, yeah technique. Absolutely. Yeah, when you bring it down to you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've never felt like I could move fast with a dumbbell. To be honest with you, like it's I've always scary. been. It's uh, scary. It feels like I've, you're just gonna let it hit the floor and it's gonna take your arm. Yeah, we, we've gotten to the point now that we pretty consistently. I'd imagine this is the case with you too. Are pressing 100 plus on yeah. dumbbells so i mean i just don't dumbbell press anymore because i don't feel like i can get enough out like i can't i can't get enough weight 
in my hands without someone handing it off. And it's so, too inconvenient at that point. Now, if we had like, you know how you have those uh, that hang off a barbell and you yeah. can unrack them? Maybe. But yeah. at that point, you know, other than the stability, what you get out of dumbbells is the range of motion. If you can get a cambered bar, if you can get a hold of a cambered bar. Yeah, I was actually about to say, though, um, Ron had me do neutral grip dumbbell bench press. And it's mm-hmm. specifically because the range of motion is deeper. Yeah. Even deeper still than a, than a right. dumbbell. Uh, than a regular dumbbell press. So, um yeah, I think there's a case for it. I feel like that contributed heavily to my – that's not my pick for my bench accessory work, but I did feel like it contributed heavily for my bench getting better. Yeah. Um, working past the the working range of motion is always yeah, going to make you better. Yeah, and It's absolutely. always going to make you safer too because yeah. you're going to be healthy in a further range of motion. That's why all these dudes – and we've talked about this before, not on the podcast. All these bodybuilders like that one guy who was pressing with Larry Wheels. You never, know, n- never pressed past 90 degrees. And the first time he does with Larry, he tears a peck off the fucking bone. <laughs> he had too much um, weight for what he could handle at that range of motion because he didn't practice that range of motion. And that's why it tore. Well, it was weak. Pretty simple. That's the reason why we know from a practical standpoint that Joel Seedman is full of fucking shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. We we should just we should tag Joel Seedman and just say fuck you Joel fuck Seedman. you Joel Seedman you're an idiot we'll use that as a hashtag <laughs> so bench accessory work this is a pretty good segue because we talked about neutral grip mm-hmm. dumbbells we talked about the camber bar stuff like that so uh, what's your choice for uh, you know one single movement right now like I said there's there's always more to this but what's mm-hmm. your what's your pick for uh, bench press accessory work. So we already talked a lot about this, about, you know, the deepest range of motion being essentially ideal for being safest when you bench press. I've had a long history, well, not a long history, but I've had several uh, pec strains while benching heavy, and it's always been just above my chest. So any any movement, and you know, it could be the cambered bar, which if I wish I had access to. If I did, I'd probably use. Might be a purchase for me. I, so. I, I would use it all the time if I if I had access to one. You um, talking about a buffalo? Are you talking about like a buffalo bar? Or are you talking about actual cambered bar? You know the one. I'm pretty sure You're it's the cambered bar that the circle, cam, like not the circle. circle, the one that has the. It's like a. It's like at an angle, right? Okay, yeah, I know. Is that not a cambered yeah. bar? I thought that, that was that, a cambered bar. That is a cambered bar, but I think most people use uh, buffalo bars on bench press for, which is the curved one. It's like a bow curve. I guess. Okay. You know, yeah. You know yeah. What I'm that's. They well, say that's I a, thought I saw. I, no, because it was Doctor Mike using the cambered bar. Yeah, people use cambered bars for everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it just it was. He set his hands right at the the bend. Yeah, at the bend, so that he got proper uh, uh, depth. Width, yeah. Well, proper well, width, hand width. But uh, anyway. That's a that's a rabbit hole. Uh, we anything that will uh, demand more uh, range of more motion. range of motion. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for getting me back on track. Uh, so for me right now, it's close grip bench press because that's the best I can do. Other than a dumbbell, which, like I said, I can't get heavy enough dumbbells that I feel like will make a difference without doing like twenty reps or something. Sure. So. For me, close grip bench press, uh, my triceps are the weakest point of my bench press. Um, so that's the the place I need the most work. Uh, and that reinforces your triceps through most of the lift, especially at the top. And it's the fullest range of motion you can do on bench press. Yeah. So that's that's why just to keep, uh, keep pec health up and to grow triceps. Um, anything else? I mean, I, I could say any sort of chest work and any sort of tricep work is 
really going to help on your bench press. For sure, yeah. Um, you could even say, and I, I'm going to rap. Well, you could even say, you know, barbell rows. You know, yeah. a, anytime you do the reverse of the movement, it's going to be, sure. I mean, be you good. Still have, for you it. still have to unrack it and bring it to your chest. Yeah. That's a big part of it. So, but but for me, definitely, like I said, anything that's going to work you past uh, normal range of motion on your bench press is always going to make you a better bench presser. And if you're a bench presser that arches like these IPF dudes and think that their half an inch range of motion is great, you just go kill yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's uh, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation for another day, probably. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and I'll say this before I say mine, because mine's not very sport specific, to be honest with you. Um, most of the time as a power lifter, your, your bang for your buck movements, even in accessory work, are going to be the things that are most sport specific, especially in an on-season scenario. Off-season, you can get away with a lot more. Yeah. But, you know, if you're specifically have a meet date, um, you know, you're going to get, you know, you should be spending the bulk of your in, in, energy on, things that look more sport specific and it doesn't have to be the competition movement, but you know, that's the reason why we do close grip bench press, SSB squats, RDLs, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, you know, things that are, they look like the real movement. They might not necessarily be, but you know, they are sports. They may have an emphasis on something else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, SSB squats, most of the time we do, um, you can do it for two, a couple different reasons. You can do it to, you know, save CNS. You can also do it to build your posture. You know what I mean? Like most of us don't squat as much on an SSB bar as we do on a straight bar. Uh, one thing for me that I program personally, when I do my own programming, is I program SSB once a week because my elbows can't handle two times a week of back squats most yeah. of the time. So, um, you know, it just kind of there's, there's lots of reasons to do a lot of these things. But uh, sport specific stuff, you know, there's a lot of bang for your buck as a power lifter there, especially if you're on season. So you should try to um, uh, try to prioritize um, things that are. You know, sports specific. Variation yeah, movements. Absolutely. Variation movements that are close but not the same yeah. as the competition movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so my bench uh, accessory work uh, is another thing that I hadn't done since I left the CrossFit gym, um, partially because my weight's so much heavier than it was when I was doing CrossFit, but uh, is dips. Um, I've had more tricep gains uh, since I have been doing dips regularly uh, than I've ever had. And it's a very specific part of my tricep, too. It's the inside head. Um, and it's, uh, it's just, I've gained so much muscle mass there, uh, from doing dips. And I do feel like, uh, it has contributed heavily, uh, to my recent bench press success. Yeah. Um, bench is going up all the time despite my elbows being pissed off, despite not feeling like bench pressing like ever bench press to me is the most uncomfortable, most painful movement of the three. Uh, um, I don't enjoy an upper body workout like the rest of you bros do, uh, <laughs> I'd rather do lower for the most part, but, uh, dips while they're hard for a man that weighs 300 pounds, uh, you know, I can do a couple of sets unassisted and then typically, you know, last set or two, uh, I do them assisted. Um, but man, they are, they've been a game changer for me on bench press. And I think specifically it just, just because it addressed a part of my tricep that you can't address easily with a cable or a dumbbell. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, dips, man, uh, and it is you know it is chest specific too. And talk about a full range of motion for your chest. That's oh, yeah, it's a very long range of motion for your chest, uh, especially as a big man. Like I said, the first time I ever had a pec strain, this was before I even thought about powerlifting. 
was doing dips. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't, if you don't know this too, uh, you can kind of vary how you do a dip. A more upright position is going to be a little bit more shoulder and tricep dominant, and a more lean forward position is going to be a little bit more chest dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still tricep prime mover in it for the most part, um, but you kind of can customize your experience based on need with it. Most assisted dips, because you'll have the pad that you put your knees on, are going to be a little bit more upright of a position. Um, and then people tend to lean into their chest because your chest is a big, strong muscle. Mm-hmm. People tend to lean forward into their chest a little bit more when they're unassisted. But, uh, but huge tricep builder, man. And I, I really believe in it now. That's something that Ron got me back doing. Um, he's got me doing a lot more plyometric stuff and uh, push-ups, pull-ups, uh, box jumps, dips, stuff like that. And I, I, all of them pay dividends, but not like not like dips have. So. so. So go do some dips. Even yeah, if you have to dips. do them assisted. And close grip bench. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, the close grip bench is, um, first of all, we talk all the time about being well-practiced in what we do, mm-hmm. like you're developing a skill, too. That's direct accessory work that you can do, and you can still actively get, get, be getting better at your bench press technique. Yeah. You can still practice a pause. You can still practice, you know, uh, foot setup, leg drive, uh, all that stuff upper back setup. Yeah. All that stuff can still be practiced. You're just taking your grip in. Yeah. So it's a very, 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 very good hyper specific movement, uh, that manages CNS fatigue because again, you're probably not going to close grip as much as you bench press. Yeah. So unless you're a freak like, uh, Kyle Kirby. Yeah. You know, if you're somebody like that, he, he, he said, if you want to, if you want a big bench, do close grip bench. And he's, he was talking about how he did bench wrong for a long time because he only did close grip bench. As soon as he pulled out his his uh, grip a little bit, he was like, oh, man, I can add like 100 pounds. <laughs> like this, he's a freak. Yeah, he's somebody a, with like 24 freak, inch arms. But, you know, know, so. I don't know specifics, but no, he's like he's Jack. A yeah. He's a, he's a freak of nature. His first powerlifting meet he went into, he's in his 20s. Um, Total like 2000, didn't he? Uh, it was definitely close because I know he broke every state record in New, at that meet. New Jersey? Is that where he lives out of? I don't know where he lives. Um, I doubt it would be California because California and Texas are both fucking loaded, to be honest with you. I know. Um, I'm pretty sure he deadlifted like eight, around 800. His bench was over 500. Couldn't couldn't tell you his squat. It was probably around seven or 800. Yeah, a um, huge, huge total. Yeah, he, he was definitely first powerlifting meet ever. Yeah, yeah, because he he bodybuilds. You know, he's yeah. a bodybuilder, and he just kind of was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm pretty strong. I'm gonna do this powerlifting meet." Broke uh, four state records and one national record, I believe, for his weight class. Huge. Yeah, wish I could huge, say the huge, same. Huge. But yeah, I wish I could say the same. Thing. <laughs> I'm not even sure I'm gonna make my 1500 pound total, and I'm not nah, sure. I'm, I'm not sure that uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure that Ron's even gonna. I don't even know that it's gonna be programmed that day. To be honest with you, so by the the way a conversation sounded. I don't think he. Uh, I don't think. I don't think he has. It, he thinks I have it in me, which is fine. Mm. Uh, I hire somebody for a reason. But uh, I will come away with a PR total regardless. Yeah. But um, meh. I another think. story for another podcast. <laughs> it is what it is. We'll, we'll um, <laughs> shift gears here and uh, talk, talk about talk about my one. emotional health. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we linked uh, some some stuff on our last podcast. You know, there's some some phone numbers for you to call if. Yeah, I might call a suicide hotline <laughs> after this is over. Um, so deadlift accessory work. Man, that's that's a really hard one. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, 
I think it depends. It just depends on your style of deadlift. If you're a conventional puller, you know, there are different things that help you as opposed to a sumo puller. You know, everything has some sort of carryover. Obviously, it's accessory work, but I feel like some things are a little more specific to those styles of pulling. Since I'm a conventional puller, um, man, it's really like the only. I can't say anything specifically has made me a better deadlifter other than doing more deadlifts. You know, I could say, oh, I'll just do it from a deficit or, you know, rack pulls or whatever, just change your range of motion. I feel like that's kind of a cheap answer, though. Um, man, it's it's a really tough one for me. But, I mean, I was telling you, you know, GHRs feel like they're really good for a, a conventional puller. And then something like a wide stance kettlebell swing would be better for a, a sumo puller, you sure. know. So, you, you know, kind of depending on your stance, depending on your weakness is where you really need to go. But, man, I just... For me, I, I can't really say one or the other. I gave I gave a bunch of different ones. There's not one specifically that I feel like has just been like the driver for my deadlift. I feel um, like the biggest thing that's helped your deadlift is to deadlift though, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Just that's that's a fair answer. <laughs> staying consistent with your deadlifts and not not necessarily volume. I mean, when you first start, I feel like there's you you need volume because you need practice because you need to get it right. The better you get at it, I feel like the less frequency you need and you just need to stay practiced. So, yeah. you know, like like me right now, I'm working with sets of six to eight and I'm doing it once a week and I'm just trying to stay practiced. Yeah. I don't I don't know of anything else. I, I can't I can't give a good answer. You know, That's I really fair. can't. That's fair. Uh, I wish I could. I, I got one that I think you'll agree with, and we did discuss this before we went on air. But um, I think it's benefit. That's a direct benefit to sumo and uh, and conventional pullers, and that's an RDL. Yep. I mean, uh, super sport specific because I mean it's basically the last half of your deadlift. Um, uh, really helps with lockout. Helps with back and core stability tremendously. It's a it's a really good squat accessory on top yep. of being a good deadlift accessory. Uh, if you're not doing them in straps, it's a tremendous grip builder. Yeah. Um, and positionally, it helps me out a lot because you know I'm built like Quasimodo. I can force a little better posture starting from the top than I can starting from the bottom. Yeah. So RDLs really help me reinforce a, a better posture and stuff too. That so makes sense. Um, I, I'm a pretty big fan. Uh, while I'm not a fan of actually doing RDLs, <laughs> doing doing RDLs is the most miserable fucking thing in the gym outside of doing biceps. Um, but uh, outside of actually doing them, I do think that's the biggest carryover for me. Yeah. Um, other than just deadlifting, because what I will tell you this, I've definitely grown my deadlift the most when I was in high rep deadlifts for long periods of time yeah and everybody's scared to do you know sets of 10 to 12 on deadlift but man i'm gonna talk about something that'll make you fucking strong <laughs> that'll put you know tons of weight on your deadlift yeah i mean hell i think i put uh in the three or four months i was with brandon allen i think i put like 70 pounds on my deadlift and i was doing you know sets of 10 might only be two sets of 10 on a deadlift training day but doing sets of 10 regularly yeah at pretty fucking heavy weight yeah it's like really fucking heavy weight you know yeah. so um you know it's always a little harder on deadlift you know you, you can get you know 70 75 maybe even up to 80 percent for a set of 10 on most most movements really hard to hit a set of 10 for at 75 or 80 percent on deadlift yeah 
really fucking hard. It's just it's just such a CNS fatiguing movement. Yeah. And you know, if you're if you're barehanded or chalked, you know, if not using straps, that weight in your hand feels heavy. Like, it does. Even you know, we we're even talking about like three or four plates. Yeah, even something that's 60 percent over the course of 10, 12 reps, it'll feel heavy in your hands. Yeah, absolutely. Shit, three plates feels miserable to me, and me, me and you both, uh, uh, you know, pull over five hundred for reps. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like three fifteen for a set of tens, pretty freaking lame. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. Can I do heavier? Yeah. Do I want to do heavier? Nah. I don't really want to do <laughs> a set of set of ten at all on deadlifts. If I'm being honest, I mean, yeah. I mean, most of the time you experience this with Juggernaut. Most of the time your deadlift volume was two or three reps less per set than. Yep whatever your current bench or squat volume was. Yep. Some of that's, you know, ma- trying to manage that CNS fatigue. Um, but some of it is that deadlift is just legitimately much harder to hit higher percentages for reps. And so, consistently. Hell yeah. Yeah. So just is what it is. But yeah, mine's already Yale. And then I think we both agree that More fast deadlifts. way to get deadlifts to deadlifts, just a deadlift. And really at, at the heart of the Nardi is it's just another deadlift. Yeah. So it's just a variation of the yeah, deadlift. Absolutely. Um, that constant tension of an RDL, especially if you're doing heavy is, uh, something that you don't experience though in a traditional deadlift. Yeah. So like, you know, I had heaviest RDLs in my life. I had three sets of six at like three fifty five the other day on RDLs. Um, while, you know, on a straight bar pulling from the floor, three fifty five, I can just about power clean mm-hmm. doing it in RDL. That constant, never-ending tension on your back is super good, and on your hamstrings, super yeah. good for hypertrophic reasons. Right. Uh, but then also just building a little fucking grit because you are mentally training too. That's true. RDLs are fucking hard. Do RDLs. Yeah. Do the hard things. <laughs> so if, good, if you want to point get, made in this podcast, if you want to get good, do the things that you don't want to do. That you don't want to do. I, I can think. I, I can think pretty much everything that we mentioned tonight are things that aren't necessarily fucking fun. No, like lunges are fucking miserable. Lunges are terrible. Hack squats, especially. I can imagine when we get up heavier, probably gonna be pretty fucking miserable. I'll um, say it's probably the least miserable of the things we mentioned tonight. Probably so. It's it's the thing I've enjoyed the most, and I do feel like it has. For me, as far as my squat goes, has had the most hypertrophic uh, benefits. Value, yeah. Value, yeah. Um, but as far as like just being miserable, you know, I've I haven't even put two plates on it. I'll be honest with you. The most I've done is like a plate and a half for twenty. And all this accessory work, why? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, we you know, I was looking at something the other day. That's, you know, you get about the same hypertrophic value out of uh, value out of adding reps as you do out of adding weight. Yeah. Um, that's not obviously not going to help strength gains necessarily, mm-hmm. but when you're in off season and that, the goal is a bigger quad, mm-hmm. um, there shouldn't be a lot of pressure to move up on a lot of this accessory movement. Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, uh, you should be able to. You really should be focusing on working X amount of reps to failure or doing AMRAPs or something like that, you know? Yeah. If, if, um, you, if you're the only time, which I, I started with a plate on the hack squat, just going back to that. And I put a plate and a quarter on it. Only reason why I went up is because it, it started to feel easy. Right. Yeah. So when you, when you stop feeling that burn, you should, move you, you should yeah. add weight or add reps. If you're already working to 20 reps, I don't see why you should, Anything no. above twenty is kind of just a moot point at that point. In my, you know, opinion. most people listening though are doing accessory work in the, in the eight to fifteen range. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll, I'll say this too: all this stuff you want to get like better at something or, or grow something, 
working at 20 rep range for a while. I definitely have noticed a difference when I, when I did the 20 reps and I tried to do it with one move, well, one body part, specifically quads, hamstrings, back. Um, I took away the back a little bit because I felt like it wasn't as productive. But when I went to start doing heavier stuff for sets of 10, 8, it was easy. I was like, yeah, man, absolutely. I, can, I a, can just rip this and it's no problem. A beginner program we've done a ton, ton of times is uh, squats and milk. Squats and milk. It's the fucking worst Listen, dude, program. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> hell, you can start with an empty bar if you want to on that. I don't care if you squat 700 pounds. You can start with as light as you need to. But spend six weeks doing a set of 20 three days a week. And uh, if nothing else, your attitude mm-hmm. about your working sets will change forever your, after them. Your mentality, when you get through, like, when it started to get heavy for me, it was getting, like, in the 300-pound range what, the second, first or second time I did it. The Just the mentality of, God, I've done, like, you blow through like 10, right? And it's just like, okay. And then you start slowing down 11, 12. It's like, okay, it's getting a little hairy. Being rough on your lungs. Yeah. Rough on your lungs. Your work, it challenges your work capacity. It challenges your grit. Like we were talking about that earlier. Cause you have to like be willing to go down with this, even though your quads are on fire, your glutes are on fire, your hands you are on breathe. fire. You, and we're not talking about you can't breathe. Like you're sucking wind. We're talking about like, Physically, you can't breathe. Yeah, it's like it, the last five reps is like there's no oxygen in you. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's extremely yeah. challenging. And the the very first time I failed it, I didn't even think I was going to fail it. Like mentally, I was like, it's just one more rep. I had gotten to that point over the course of it was like four or five weeks. I was like, it's just one more rep. I'm going to squat it. I'm going to stand up. It's going to be fine. And when it stuck, I was like. This is weird. It was complete total failure of my lower chain. It wasn't like, mental failure. It wasn't anything else. It was just it like was your body just, saying, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. It's just Man, said, hey, we can't do this. Like right. you've literally pushed yourself. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people do is push themselves to the absolute failure point. Most people don't understand what absolute failure actually is. Exactly. Most people, when you tell them to go to failure, most people are going to stop when it starts to burn. Yep. Or they're going to maybe a little more seasoned. They, they start to feel the burn. And they're like, I think I get a couple more out. Yeah. And they really stop at more like an RPE 9, right? Yeah, they're absolutely. like, I, I, I feel like I could probably do one more. But that's, you know, then the spotter's going to have to pull it off me. Or yeah. if you don't have a spotter, you're going to be crushed under it or, you know, yeah. whatever the reason may be. Most of the time, unless it's on a machine, maybe you might. But even on a machine, you might just be like, well, I just don't want to fail it. Right, people are afraid of of failing it. Right, pushing like, it to failure the, is what gets you past failure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of funny that failure <laughs> failure is the very thing that keeps you from failing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing. So uh, that's our uh, we got two a piece from us for all three lifts. That's our uh, that's pretty much our show today. So yeah. we needed we got one more order of business and it's uh it's dad jokes. We got some dad jokes. We got dad jokes, buddy. Well, we don't have jokes, but Dad says jokes on Instagram has jokes. And if if we haven't tagged them yet, we we just need to put them in our profile. Tag them in our profile, like at Dad says jokes for Dad jokes permanently in there. Um, there was one that I saw. Ah, uh, this one I I think is is really good. And you, if you've got it pulled up, you probably already saw it. But 
I went to the doctor's and he said, don't eat anything fatty. I said, what, like burgers? He said, no fatty, just don't eat anything. (laughs) I saw that one today. That was like my doctor talked to me. (laughs) I saw that one today. I was like, man, that's that's good. I like that one. Not Uh, everyone thinks Cleopatra is beautiful. Well, that's how Julius sees her. <laughs> Knee slapper. We got that one. <laughs> that shit was good. Uh, what's made of leather? <laughs> Sounds like a sneeze. A shoe. <laughs> I, think, I like it. I, I think Desi told me the other day. She probably found it on here. Oh, man. Got home from work today to find my kids have been on, been on eBay all day. If they're still there tomorrow, I'm going to lower the price. <laughs> oh, thank, get, thank God every day I'm not a parent. Got to get rid of those kids, <laughs> man. They, they cost too much. Uh, so my wife tells me I have two major faults. I don't listen and something else. <laughs> so this is one I've, I've heard before. I've never told it on the show, on the show but I love it. Um, a shark can sw- swim faster than me, but I can run faster than a shark. So in a triathlon... It would all come down to who who's the better cyclist. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Waka waka. <laughs> well, I think that's it for us today. That's um, our show. Uh, don't forget, uh, please, if you if you love us, rate us five stars on Spotify. If you don't love us, rate us five stars on Spotify so that we can grow and other people can listen to us. Um, that's the downloads and the rating is the best thing for us. So if you can do any of that, if you've made it to the end, you clearly like us enough to rate us five stars and give us a download. We're praying more people will make it to the end of this one since it's under an hour. We're going right. to finish under an hour for the first the time first, ever. Literally the first Unless time ever. Unless we talk, continue to talk about how we're finish <laughs> under an hour. We aren't going to. But um, again, rate us five stars. Uh, give us a download. Follow us on our social media at Sip It and Rip It. I'm at Nathan Skedios. I am nameless still. But you will have an Instagram at some point, maybe. Yeah, it's coming back because I have to for Summer Shred. So. And that's a wrap. That's a wrap. See y'all.